Hello everybody and welcome to the History of Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, the resilient podcasts out there, thank you very, very much for listening to mine. As I was listening to this podcast to edit it, it occurred to me that there were a lot of things on the edge of this podcast that aren't really talked about. Exactly. There's a news organization, uh, broadly speaking, I think it's fair to characterize uh, Vice Media as a news organization, certainly a media organization. Um, it came of age during the Iraq War. It started out essentially as basically an edgier competitor to Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, a competitor of Rolling Stone, I would say, marketed towards young Generation X, uh, specifically. Um, and I first encountered it in a record store, an independent record store somewhere um, in or around my hometown. People with much bigger followings than me and people much more famous than me have over the years bemoaned the death of print media. And one of the reasons they do that is because there's this phenomenon when you read a newspaper where you're reading one story but your eye catches another story. So you're much more uh, able to, to read things you normally wouldn't uh, consume. So, you know, that ended up dying with, I guess, going away with the death of the Vice magazine. Vice Media uh, either acquired or started a host of other spinoffs or subsidiaries. One of them is Motherboard. Motherboard, I personally I find as as a techie uh, is a very useful and very very I would argue essential um, you know thing for any tech enthusiast or just somebody interested in in technology um, I certainly hope uh, motherboard can stick around uh, vice media or I should say vice uh, is going away. Um, this is the death of what was supposed to be new media. You, you see this with, uh, you, you saw this earlier with Deadspin. Uh, you, you see this with, um, you know, uh, Gawker, which, you know, and in every case, you know, in a lot of these cases, it's not because of readership. It's because of financial situations. Uh, Gawker was sued out of business. Um, and Deadspin was acquired by a basically conservative or reactionary group that wanted to change the mandate of Deadspin. And with Vice, the the reason Vice is going away, I think, is a little up in the air. 
it's partly, I think, because the readership of Vice is basically aging out of the sort of some of the sort of stories that Vice infamously covered, uh, such as drug culture. Um, you know, I, I got into Vice, the magazine, because Vice covered metal. Again, I'm a I'm a heavy metal fan. Vice covered heavy metal in a way that Rolling Stone almost refused to do. So I got into Vice from that. But I think I know for a fact you you reach an age where it's not like you're you're not seeking new music. It's it's that your you know your interests change or you're you're busier or you need to read more quote unquote adult or mature things with your reading time. Um, and so part of me wonders if Vice went away from that, for that. I also think that uh, some of the journalists on Vice were really important, uh, very, very important voices around the blowback to the Iraq and Afghanistan war. And basically, both of those wars are squarely in the rear view for today's uh, modern youths. Um, and that's weird. Because as one of my listener, as one of my guests said, he lamented that Iraq, that uh, not Iraq, Afghanistan had been going on essentially his pretty much his entire life, and he was looking at these these soldiers training for the war in Afghanistan, and he realized he was no longer part of America's youth, um, and that happens to all of us, I suppose, if we get enough exercise, and limit the amount of alcohol we intake. Anyway, in listening to this episode, it was really interesting to listen to. Um, and I, I seriously hope all, all of you guys, uh, all of my listeners, uh, give this a listen. Um... I will say, just basically based on what Eric and I talk about, uh, and I should say Eric uh, is a um, he's a podcaster that put out a fascinating podcast, I guess about a year or two ago, called um, Religious Wars, and he covered the Maccabee um, revolt in ancient uh, Judean history. And so we were on Reddit one day at the same instant and he wanted to do a podcast and I wanted to have a guest and so he's the guest. And I enjoy talking to Eric and I want to have him back again. I don't know when, but it'll be before a year, I can tell you that. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so I, I want to go ahead and, and tell you people that uh, this episode I think is rated not safe for work uh just basically based on some of the things we talk about there's I don't think there's too much language per se like too many curse words or whatever but uh, basically some of the subject matter I, I would say is I wouldn't want a child to hear this um <clears throat> anyway folks uh have a good day and um like I always say I'm having a great day and I hope you are too all right thanks a bunch everybody bye-bye 
Okay, everybody. Hi, my name is Benjamin Kitchens. As I always say, um, there's a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you for listening to mine. I'm here with Eric McLaren, who did a podcast a thousand years ago called Religious Wars, uh, which is actually really good, folks. Um, but you used to work for um, Vice, right? I did. Yeah, I was a freelancer. But uh, for a couple of years, Vice was one of my go-to yeah. go-to uh, outlets. Okay. So let's talk for a second. Some people listening to this might not be aware, or maybe all of you might not be aware, uh, Vice is going away or went away. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of up in the air as far as I understand right now. I might be a little bit behind on the times. I know they're looking for a buyer, but I can't imagine they'll find one. And I, roughly speaking, we're around the same age. I mean, you know, histor- historically, a thousand years from now, we're going to be living in the same world and experiencing sort of the same things. And the thing that occurred to me about this whole vice going away is that it's really the end of an era. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, at God. <laughs> well, so for a bit of my background, I was a uh, journalist before I got into podcasting or anything like that. So... I kind of lived through a few ends of eras in like uh, from 2010 to 2015, 2016-ish. But uh, at at that time, the idea was it was the end of the newspaper era. We're getting rid of all of these institutional players and guys like, uh, you know, uh, Shane Smith and uh, uh, what's the other guy there? The Gavin McGinnis. They're the future, and they're going to take over news media. Yeah. Um, and then I was—I ended up getting kind of booted out of the industry because of the big pivot to video, right? Uh, and that all kind of oh, turned yeah. out to be smoke and mirrors from Facebook. And okay, Facebook talk about. Okay, wait. I know what you. I vaguely know what you're talking about. Sure. But that's an interesting. That's a very fascinating development that I. Okay, let me lay all my cards on the table. I look at this podcast as kind of an oral history of right this second. Right? Mm. And I think with the the reemergence or death of vice or whatever, whatever corporate speak anybody's going to throw on this, right? A sacred cow of people of a generation, that is people maybe from their 50s on down to somebody in their 30s, the sacred cow of the the digital age is going is dying, and that was that that these new companies are going to come along and replace media. Yeah, you know, and that's going away now. And you're right, Facebook. That I don't know was that a con because Facebook was trying to be a a, a, a video thing. Well, for a the, while there. the way what Facebook did to a bunch of really great websites. Uh, was say yeah. to them that we are we most of the people come to your content through our platform, right? Right. Um, and on our platform, what people want to see is videos. And then they had these metrics of how many people watch videos versus right. click through to articles or even read long posts. Um, right. And those those metrics that they provided were, you know, true if you squinted. 
they were true if you if you like every time you scrolled over a video you count that as a view sort of thing right um, so a bunch of websites uh like several that i worked for herb comes to mind um and like other websites all through digital media space the kind of new media stuff like crack.com whatever they all made mm -hmm. these huge pivots to video on like the behest of facebook Mm -hmm. But those views never materialized. The audience growth Facebook was projecting never materialized either because, again, it was all kind of this fugazi of right. uh, half-true metrics. And Vice had a, had, a similar, had a similar metrics, if true, if you squint at it sort of thing, where uh, they, would, they would have these, like, their big pitch was people, like, our audience will buy pretty well anything we advertise to them. Um, and that turned out to not be true in the long run either, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, also, so, I don't remember the year. Like, I don't remember the year, but I do remember when this happened. Because I remember even back then, I was listening to podcasts and exercising like a fiend while, while I listened to podcasts. But there was a huge scam because it a had nothing to do with donald trump and b happened during donald trump did not get the the media coverage it richly deserved which was essentially that that people were advertising fake products on facebook mm. right and this was a huge huge deal in the advertising world and i think that really woke a lot of people up you know what i mean well, I think like the reason things like BuzzFeed uh, and Vice are going away where your institutional players aren't. So, mm. you know, there, there, New York uh, Times. well, yeah I, I'm, yeah, I would bet there was a time where BuzzFeed News, <clears throat> excuse me, where BuzzFeed News was, you know, as widely read in the halls of power and among the population as the New York Times or the Washington Post. But the yeah. Washington Post and the New York Times had built their own audiences up and kind of institutionalized those audiences where BuzzFeed was dependent on social media. And that was only after a very short-term success. Years ago, there, there's a friend of mine that I still know. Uh, he's still a friend of mine. He's still regular contact. Years ago, he said something to me out loud where there was people. And I'm going to say it to you, and you're going to nod your head. I can see it right now. Mm -hmm. You're going to nod your head up and down like you agree with him. But I want you to cast your mind back in the year 2008. Because that's when he said this. Okay. He said in 2008 that he actually thought that social media was a fad and people were going to outgrow it. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Well, I, that's what's funny though is I think he, like I think that's a, he's right and wrong. I mean, it's a bold prediction okay. to make then, um, but I do think like <laughs> if you go look at what social media was then, people did get sick of it. Those all of these companies, like people like to talk yeah. about algorithms and all of this stuff, but all these companies mm -hmm. have grown and they've done it like on purpose, right? So whatever version of social media they we were working with in 2008, if that's all that there ever was, yeah, we probably would have, you know, dustbin of history, yeah. those things. But because but, we've, yeah. you know, we're social animals that could be 
have our emotions played with and played on, these companies have been able to like innovate in that model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know that Facebook has because back then he was only talking about Facebook. I mean, I think well, like Facebook at the time, right, would have had like several thousand employees, and now they have tens of thousands of employees. They're all doing something, <laughs> you know. Right. But I mean, like, there's a guy. Okay. So, and we're all going to say the elephant in the room here is TikTok. And is TikTok social media or not? That's an open question to me, anyway. But, you know, like, you can be on TikTok and have some of these folks can have millions of views. Or you can be on Facebook and have a couple hundred. The TikTok views, I know a couple of people who are, you know, in this kind of digital media space who keep telling mm-hmm. me, like, if you're not on TikTok, you're not where the audience is, all this stuff. And, like, I've been around yeah. the block before. I I, uh, I have a suspicion that some of these TikTok numbers are a little bit inflated. They, um, they've got to be. I mean, there's somewhat something is inflated some kind of how. Well, and the, the other thing, though, is, like, TikTok, for people getting sick of social media, there, you know, uh, do you remember Vine? Yes. People got sick of Vine, and now they're not sick of it anymore. <laughs> it's well, kind of it's weird. I, it's weird because, so there's a thing with nostalgia, right? There's a thing with nostalgia where you get to an age, but everybody, everybody gets to an age, and they remember when they were kids as wonderful and amazing and if you're in your mid 30s or early 30s today you were a child during vine you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's so the, I, mean, I don't understand so much about the social media world social media has never really been uh my my yeah. my bag i'm not on vine i have instagram but it's because my girlfriend made me uh, <laughs> so she just about, couldn't she uh, just couldn't handle telling people like you know oh who's your boyfriend let me look him up and then say oh he doesn't have instagram in some social circles that's like saying he's a serial killer you know i know i know so tell me about um tell me about um what some some of the articles you wrote as a freelancer uh, well, we'll stick with Vice just because that's where my most interesting stories are. So I got uh, started with Vice while I was still in journalism school. And I had uh, uh, we threw it through an assignment. We had an interview and editor. So I emailed a bunch of editors all over the place. And this one guy uh, at Vice, he was a music editor. Uh, you know, we sat down, had a beer. I interviewed him for the assignment. And while we were there, I pitched him a story about a. Uh, uh, house in Windsor that has all these punk rock shows um, and had uh, mm-hmm. relatively big bands come through for some house in Windsor, right? And uh, that article ended up and doing pretty well. To be clear, it was literally a to be clear, it was literally a home. It was a home, absolutely. Uh, and okay. it, the the shows happened in the basement, and it was just a basement, an unfinished basement. Uh, very ah. very <laughs> DIY punk, you know. Uh, okay. Okay. But yeah, that that article ended up doing pretty well. And then for a while, like anytime there was like a punk related thing that they wanted written about, he'd fire me an email. 
uh, like the Vice would cover Canadian Music Week, um, and mm. I, you know, I'd, he'd send me to all the punk bands or punkish bands. Mm. Um, like, so that uh, was largely it. I did a couple reviews for him, all kinds of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the interesting things about Vice that everybody, when it first started, like when it burst onto the scene, everybody kind of had this attitude about it. Well, it can never be a major player because of the culture. There's drugs and there's, oh, I see. You know, all that kind of. It's a skateboarding magazine yeah. and stuff. How it started, and like okay. from my time, I only ever went to the vice offices two or three times, and like it was a pretty normal office, maybe a bit cooler in air quotes. Uh, but <laughs> the only the only real culture issue I ever encountered was uh that editor who I was like worked with mostly. Mm-hmm. After a while, he just stopped returning my emails, and I kind of thought, well, okay, whatever. This is the industry, you know. If you're got to get used to rejection and just kind of dread moving forward. Then I got an email from another editor from Vice, and him and I just like don't click quite as well, you know. And eventually, I find out why what happened to my editor. Uh, he was named Slava mm-hmm. Postuk, and what okay. had happened was uh, Slava had gone to jail um because he was getting he tried getting people like friends of his to smuggle cocaine from somewhere in like nevada i think into australia i remember that yeah there's so canada landed a story about it called uh cool mules I, it was, uh, it was no, in the news yeah. um as it was happening but uh so like as it was coming out like obviously slava wasn't returning any of my emails but uh uh, he was in jail. <laughs> well, yeah. And then like, I was, as I was talking to him, or as I was talking to other people around it, I had found out that yeah. some vice freelancers and people in the office he had like come to with this deal and kind of said like would form it as like, hey, we got this really exciting opportunity for you, and then he would hit him with, it's okay, you're gonna be smuggling drugs or whatever. But he never asked me, which, which uh, like I of course I would have said no. Hmm. But also, I was I was very offended that he didn't think I was cool enough to even ask. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, there's a thousand stories about like, honestly, honestly, man, this guy told me to take this stuff over here, and and some of it's real and some of it's not. I mean, some of it that really happened and like that, and some probably not. But yeah, well, that's I mean. Uh, yeah. I'm sure, sure it really happened because there's, you know, two people in well, no, jail like, in Australia and he's, you he think right, he's out no, now, but. I know that happened, but I'm saying like, there's a lot of people in this life in jail because somebody told him to take something somewhere and. Oh, I see what didn't you're tell saying. Him what yeah. it really was. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I feel like the smugglers, they ended up being uh, his roommates, I think, who were like an aspiring DJ mm-hmm. and an aspiring model. Uh, and like this was Vice in New York or Vice in Canada? It was in Toronto, yeah, the Toronto offices. Um, which like I don't know, you know, Toronto's not exactly there's a ton of cocaine in Toronto, but it's not exactly a uh, you know, a like shipping hub I would think. So I'm not sure how it all shook out like that, but uh, yeah, that did that's like my in in to this day if I go to a Canadian media party. 
and and I say my editor was oh. Slava Postuk. I'm I'm in the club, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Gives me some street cred right away. I'm sure if you I'm sure if you taught me a few years ago, and you'd said that your editor was Slava, whatever you said, I'd have been like, oh, I, oh, okay, right. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> But again, I'm too too not cool enough to really be part of that story. I would have loved to have had some message. <laughs> I'd yeah. frame it. Well, what's what's so weird to me is like so. When was it? Like ten years ago? Uh, like yeah, 2014, 2015-ish. Well, so what's weird about that is like the internet. I mean, obviously, it was around and a thing and blah 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 blah, but. Like, I knew about it, and I don't live in Canada, and I I barely, back then, I barely was reading Vice and yada yada, yeah, or anything about it. No, I knew, I mean, I knew about that. Yeah, that it was a big story. One, because <laughs> media loves covering other media's mistakes, and, mm-hmm. and every, uh, at the time vice was like untouchable still they had just done like a 10 billion dollar deal with rogers or something crazy uh so yeah so right when it happened and it was also his international story right it had kind of genesis in canada it a bunch of it took place in the united states which where all this the drugs were actually like moved to the smugglers and then uh and then obviously like the destination was australia so it's just it makes sense that that's like the thing yeah. that kind of comes out from all of like, but again, what's funny to me is that vice had this reputation and that's like the worst story I'm aware of. And you gotta be like, I mean, you gotta be high, you know, no pun intended. You gotta be high on your own supply to, to be sitting there in your apartment and thinking, Oh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to involve three different countries, legal <laughs> And three different border guards, and one of them's gonna be Australia. This is gonna work. That's and that's who got screwed the hardest was the I smugglers. Mean, like they're gonna be in jail for you know eighteen years yeah. or like another another nine or whatever. Yeah. For those of you, for those of you who don't know uh, on the internet, Australia takes the fact that it's an island nation very seriously. And they do not let, it's really hard to illegally immigrate or illegally put anything into Australia that they don't want it, that they don't want it to be there. Right. That's really hard to do. Yeah. They're a pretty, uh, they take, they take, uh, I mean, the thing with drugs is they get in everywhere, right? So they're getting into Australia, but if they do catch you, you're in, you're in some big trouble. Well, like if you go down on my feed. Okay, if you go down on my feed, there's a there's a young man who had traveled all over the world and he'd worked these jobs. And technically, not that anybody cared at the time, but technically he was an illegal immigrant and an illegal worker in a lot of those places. Mm. And one of the places he illegally worked was Australia. And to even and that was also the only place, one of the only places he went where he had to have a visa to even be there. Like, mm-hmm. he had to have a visa to even be there. So, and I don't remember what he said, because, you know, that was a while back now. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, like, yeah, 
again, not condoning trafficking drugs, people. Not, not just saying. Just it's cool to be asked. Up. It's even cooler to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, the I'm curious. Who did Vice? Were you ever in any meetings where Vice said to you, uh, "This is who we view our readers as," or I, I suppose we should say they were readers, right, and not watchers. Uh, for well, if, you know, anybody talking to me, they certainly would have said readers. Um, but yeah. not really as a freelancer. Um, you kind of only deal with an editor. Uh, generally speaking, anyway, like yeah. every once in a while, you might have to talk to someone else from the publication. But, yeah. um, so like I had a few. I dealt with other editors. Uh, and they would generally. Yeah. I'm not, I wasn't inside the organization enough to really ha- be privy to those conversations. I've been part of those conversations at other organizations, but uh, I know that like Vice has, Vice had a very specific demo in mind whenever they put anything out, right? What was their demo? Just curious. Like 18 to 35 alternative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That kind of, uh, that kind of milieu. I wonder now I'm an American, obviously, and you're a Canadian. But I heard somebody on a very famous podcast that I'm not going to shout out, uh, say something out loud where there was people. And I think he was right. And I think one of the reasons that these alternative bloggy websites, bloggy news websites sort of took off was the Iraq war. And the fact that the mainstream media kind of like dropped the ball on the Iraq war. Do you, do you sort of think that was true or was it more uh, just a case of young people looking for their own voice kind of thing? Yeah, I think that I'm sure that's part of it where, you know, yeah. if you're, if you're 22 in 2008 or whatever, you, you, it would, you'd stand to reason you're pretty mad at the New York times. Right. Um, and those, looking, are, those people who were, those people who were 22 that even knew it existed, but sure. Right. Well, you know, uh, yeah, 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 you know, but like, uh, <clears throat> I think more than like, so there's, I think that's definitely part of it, but I think more than that, it, it just killed zines. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always been alternative, alternative media, right. Since mm-hmm. the thirties yeah. in, in, in like large numbers. There's not now. There really aren't yeah. zines anymore. Uh, it's I all. I know what a zine is, I think. Why don't you tell my listeners what you think a zine is? Sure. So a zine is just a independently made um, magazine. Yeah. Uh, and like some of them went on to be uh, like would go on to be like legitimate publications in their own right. Like now magazine in Toronto started out as a zine. I'm sure there there's a hundred in the States. There was one in Atlanta back in the day, like way back in the day, like the sixties. It's called the great speckled bird. Yeah. And it was a, it was a kind of a hippie thing, but they kind of did news too. Yeah. That and, that's kind of, they were all like all hippie alternative culture. Yeah. Uh, there was some like in the thirties yeah. and forties in the States, there was like socialist zines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
The Guardian, believe it or not, started out as a zine. Yeah, that's so it's like back some of them the day, did become like, like way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I don't know that the people putting the Guardian together this was back in the eighteen nineties, eighteen eighties, even longer than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but and, that's like I think more than uh like losing trust in institutional media, that's more it just destroyed all like that style of alternative media. And like I do like I think that's that's a, been a cultural sink for North America anyway. I think we would be better with a thousand different little weird magazines than we would be with uh one vice that no longer exists. Yeah. I mean, right. Was so some of Vice's detractors seem to think that one of the things that happened was they didn't get on board with the culture. Like they didn't the culture changed in a way they didn't cover. Do you, you buy that? Well, I think that when Vice started uh mm-hmm. in the you know kind of mid 90s the mm-hmm. alternative cu- culture i mean this is my own biases maybe leaking into my analysis here a little bit but sure. alternative culture was like largely punk rock or some kind of punk rock ish thing mm-hmm. and that's what vice is like yeah. skateboarding and all this stuff right where it has this kind of yeah spiky hair studded belts whatever aesthetic yeah yeah and that's that still it still exists, but it's no longer the like dominant counterculture. I don't even know what it would be. I'm not cool enough anymore. Uh, I'm not sure what the count. Yeah, I'm equally uncool. I'm not sure what the counterculture even is now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's on TikTok somewhere, uh, in some yeah. way, but it's yeah. uh, inaccessible to me. Well, but like yeah. at the time for Vice, like yeah, and I mean if you still go look at. I haven't watched a Vice documentary in a long time, but I have a feeling I could probably guess what the person looks like and what they're wearing and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? There's there's blue hair involved and it's spiky. Yeah, or or you know, flannel and thick rim glasses, the whole the whole uniform. Yeah. 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 Basically like imagine um what's the guy? Um I don't know that he was on Vice, but he should have been. Oh, oh, God, he does that podcast, Useful Idiots, now. Um, Useful Idiots. He made his bones by critiquing the Iraq war. That's how he rose the podcast. Oh, Matt Taibbi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right out of central casting for, for a vice reporter back in the day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I, in fact... He, he kind of had he had his own publication in Russia, or mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. I think it was called I Spy or something. That was very, very vice esque, uh, kind of right, almost stream of. I remember reading in the Vice Style Guide that like, they changed this when Vice News came around, but their whole Wait, the thing was backup pause. There was a style guide. Absolutely, every publication has a style guide. You tell. <laughs> um well it's advice's whole thing it originally was uh we want you to write like you're writing a letter to your best friend 
rather than you're writing trying to write for the new york times or whatever that changed as vice got more serious but like in the earlier days that was they they didn't care if you put all caps in your article or whatever you know okay when did they in your own estimation when did they pivot to being more serious um i'm gonna i'm pulling a number out of thin air here but i'm gonna say 2010 2011 is when they first started to whenever they did vice news as its own vertical then they were trying to compete they were hiring yeah. real editors and journalists um more than I, they were i remember writers. that i vaguely remember and i even this is how wild this is right i vaguely remember like a vice news either a roku channel or a cable channel hbo they had an hbo channel that's what okay that's what i remember and they also right, they also yeah. had uh or sorry, sorry they had an HBO show and then they had a channel called mm-hmm. Viceland. I don't know if that was just a Canadian thing. I'm sure they had it in the states somewhere. But that was that was Vice's great finagle yeah. in, on the business end of things was they finally got institutions to give them just heaps and heaps and heaps of money. So they made this television show saying like our audience is going to go watch this television show because our audience will do whatever it says, whatever we say. Um, the reason you guys, no one's watching your television shows is because you don't have our audience, you know? Okay. Yeah. Now let me tell you something a little bit. I, I don't know if I've told you this offline or I don't know if you follow me on Twitter or what, but I became a cord cutter before there was a word for that. No. Oh, yeah. Like I literally became, a, I remember being a cord cutter and reading in a thing that I was a cord cutter. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> and all I was was somebody who didn't want to pick cable. <laughs> you know? But um, I don't, I think Vice kind of got ahead of the cart there. The horse got ahead of the cart. Or the cart got ahead of the horse and Vice. And well, and they just, a, they they were four cord cutters. If you wanted high level mm-hmm. documentaries, but you didn't want to pay for, you know, PBS or whatever. Uh, well, I guess you don't have to yeah. pay PBS, but however, whatever, you know, uh, you could go watch Vice on YouTube um, and go yeah. see child soldiers in wherever. Um, yeah. But but then they kind of went went back on their own business model by going into business with like Rogers, this giant telecom company in Canada and making this TV TV channel that nobody watched and was just this huge money sink for, you know, a year and a half. What happened? I mean, why did Vice go under? Was it just the the bad business decisions, or was it um, was it other th- Was it just the culture moved? Ah, uh, I think the the big thing for all of these media companies is they're they're not media properties in their own minds. They're a tech company. Oh, and tech companies <laughs> need you know infinite exponential growth mm-hmm. other you know otherwise you know it's no one wants to be part of a business that turns a steady profit every year <laughs> uh and, that, or, nope. and that's not ex, that's not exciting right um yeah so you know i think vice if they didn't if they said we're a, a website and we want our owners to make 
at healthy six figures every year or whatever. Um, I have, I have no doubt they could be doing similar things that they've always done and, you know, maintaining a pretty solid audience. But that was never what they were trying to do. They were trying to take over the world. They wanted to their show on HBO. They wanted a TV channel and all of and then they get loaned all this money, which is great when you got it. But then eventually you got to pay it back. Right. (laughs) Well, eventually it's like Uber's going to have a moment where Uber's going to have to pay start paying its own bills. And they can't, you know, what I'm saying (laughs) Uber's another another good example of a a product that makes a lot of sense, but they can't just be a product that makes sense. They have to be the biggest thing in the history of ever. Right. Why can't you just be a thing? Why do you need to disrupt something that whatever, like, you know, I get it. Well, it's in, I mean, investors, right? Like investors don't want to hear things will be slow. Uh, Shareholders want larger dividends every other year. Let me actually, let me go on my, because this is going to be rendered into an audio, so you guys can't see this. Um, anybody listening to this can't see this. I'm in front of my PC right now. I'm going to go on the World Wide Web and see if Motherboard is still around, because I think Motherboard is going to survive. Motherboard is a vice vice piece-like thing. Yeah, right. It, it, right. I think we should say that. Like, vice, the reason this is such a big deal is there's all these other things vice sort of took over or created and some of these things like motherboard you know let me see i think i read somewhere or saw that motherboard was sticking around but i could be wrong yeah it's still like vices there's going to be significant changes but like with you know vice.com or whatever but uh it would it it would shock me if if at the end of this all of the vice properties are just gone from the internet. Someone is going to recognize that they can make some money off of it. Because I mean, here's my little and again, I'm a I'm a tech guy, right? I love tech. There's a limit to the number of articles somebody wants to see where or video because there's a vice documentary that I know I've seen. I just can't place. And the documentary was like, let's go, let's go interview a, a, a Nevada weed farmer. And they go all through this Nevada weed farmer's place. Right. There's yeah. a limit to the, the number of times somebody wants to see that. But a tech website that gives reviews and tells people what's what, to me, that's useful. I mean, those are my biases. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Vice even recognized that at some like some point in the deep and misty past where, you know, eventually they they had the all of their like YouTube titles had a certain cadence that sort of went away. Uh, You know, we went to the we went to the. uh, You know, best in show, whatever, on acid, like that kind of that style of headline Mm -hmm. sort of went away. And I think Mm -hmm. they probably. Uh, recognize that like whatever culture or like editorial guidelines they had at like vice they needed vice news in order to uh they needed vice news in order to uh maintain new eyeballs with news stories so vice for those of you who don't know uh there was some financial irregularity 
at the mothership company of vice um but i think part of the deal i wonder if part of the deal is the vice audience aged out of reading vice you know yeah yeah i definitely think that's part of it and again i think that vice like uh had some awareness and that's what they were doing with their news and even motherboard uh and just like getting into niches that were kind of protected from uh you know when people grow out of uh like lowercase v vice uh a little bit uh they're probably not gonna (laughs) gonna grow out of the website too right when you're turning i mean when you're turning up your kids eta meeting right yeah i mean come on yeah (laughs) at some at some point you know just saying. Well, I think if you're turning up at the at the school board meeting now, you might be reading some some much crazier stuff. <laughs> well, totally. And I mean, I mean, to me, like talk about this country, America. A lot of this was going on the school board, at least in the news. To me, feels a lot like the Satanic Panic, or like there was this. I forget. I know it was um, somehow like Iron Maiden. Mm. Um, there was a school board somewhere or something that went after Iron Maiden, so Iron Maiden sued. Like, but Iron Maiden actually bit back. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah. That's what's interesting about the Satanic Panic is that yeah. it never really went away. No. And to this day, I could I could find you thirty year olds in Canada, who, mm-hmm. you know, it, who will talk about the 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 devil imagery and you know Rihanna music videos or whatever. Yeah. And then when you tell them like you sound like uh, a grandmother in nineteen eighty eight, saying that the the Iron Maiden or Motorhead or Marilyn Manson even are these. Uh, are are yeah. devil worshippers and they'll just and they'll like look at me straight in the eye and go they they are devil worshippers and I just don't I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, and this gets into historic this gets into historiography or historical forces or something, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> but I think one of the things that is happening is our society is changing. But it's not changing everywhere, and it's not changing everywhere at once about all different kind of things. Like, and you see that in weird ways, like weird, weird way. Yeah. Well, I mean, America for is such a good example of this, just because you know, in one part of the United States, it's on the same secular march as the rest of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, slow with setbacks kind of march, but then there's other places where you're in the minority mm-hmm. if you don't, if you don't, if you're not seriously worried about, you know, the devil in one way or another. So, and here was Vice, this, you know, company that was sort of, and I wonder, like, because I remember them covering a lot of drug stuff. Like, yeah, I remember the that. Vices. Yeah, 
I remember them covering drug stuff and I remember them covering a lot of music, a lot of like metal music and punk music. And, and then like, as I got older and started looking at the news, like the real, like the New York, I was one of those people that was mad at the New York times for getting the war wrong. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think (laughs) vice aged with me and then I quit aging with vice. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like that's what I. Yeah, I mean, Vice had its problems. I mean, its its founders, you know, uh, fish rots at the head, and those guys suck. Uh, fish rots Sh- at the head. Sh- Shane Smith sucks a bit more quietly, and Gavin McGinnis sucks, you know, a bit more publicly these days. But uh, Gavin, okay, tell. I know the name, but who's Gavin McGinnis? Are you so he's he was a co-founder of Vice and you could argue he was the kind of the first hipster ever. Um kind of guy who has he's like the good the good we can do the good of Gavin McGinnis where he's pretty funny when he wants to be if you're if you can put up with kind of edgy sort of things, yeah. you know. Um and he's more than anybody else that I'm aware of as like a cultural figure he's had his finger on the pulse for a very very long time um Hmm. he kind of invented hipster culture and invented the voice of vice and the kind of attitude of it and now um are you familiar with the proud boys i oh okay see i thought wow okay wait you're telling me the guy who invented vice is the same guy who started the problem yeah Okay. A fellow Canuck. Okay. Because what I was thinking was, you know, names are common and and mama's name boys, lots of names that are the same. And that's what I thought happened. But you're telling me that the guy who started Vice also started the Proud Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I mean, like, if if we... If we if we can look at look at this as everybody else's ants and we've got this omnipresent view of everything, the guy has his finger on the pulse of culture of culture. Like the Proud Boys are a cultural oh phenomenon, God. right? God. And so was Vice. Wait. I'm very happy I got to blow your mind in this conversation. I have a thousand questions for you that I didn't used to have. (laughs) (laughs) There's only, okay, ladies and gentlemen, assuming this podcast makes the air, and I'm about 99% sure that it will, Mm -hmm. there's only like four podcasts that I've ever recorded, or hell, there's only like seven interviews that I've ever done where my mind was like legitimate for anything. Where my mind was like legitimately blown, like like legitimate, like legitimately like. <clears throat> yeah. Holy yeah, I think I don't think Vice really likes talking about Gavin McGinnis as a co-founder. And uh, wait a minute. Okay, when did Gavin McGinnis go away from Vice? Like the pretty that early happen? on. Uh, okay. I want to say 2005, something like that. Okay. Let me ask it, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Sure. Uh, 
I know for a fact that I know this because I remember reading. I mean, for those of you young enough to not know this, there used to be a time when things used to be in magazines. Because I remember when Vice was a printed magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There used to be a time when stuff when stories existed in magazines next to other stories and so you wanted to read the metal thing but then there was like this gay thing and you were just sort of flipping through it to get to the metal thing yeah yeah okay because vice was way gay friendly back in the 90s i mean way back in the time yeah okay i wonder what what do the proud boys what know that yeah, uh, Gavin McInnes. Again, I think it speaks to his to where his finger is on the pulse of culture. He's uh converted to Christianity. He was a agnostic, whatever. Before that, uh-huh. and obviously with that came a precipitous right wing shift in his everything politically. Uh, and the other yeah. thing with it, if you go read his old Vice articles and stuff, there's a lot of like racism in them. But they're like, it's racism from the nineties. That you cut. That's how just how everybody talked then. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I went to high school. I went to a very integrated high school, right? Mm-hmm. So there were there were white kids dating black kids at my high school way before that was in the mainstream. Like way way before that was in the mainstream. Okay, like way before. So I actually had to leave my high school to learn that racism was a a real deal. You're from Georgia, right? I'm from Atlanta, which is yeah. in Georgia in name only. Right, right. Like it's in Georgia on a map. It's right. Not really okay. So, that's I imagine sure. that's probably the the fact that you had yeah. black people around. <laughs> Because, like, I know Gavin well, McInnes and stuff, they were writing in Montreal, where there are, like, there's a large black population, but not, like, Atlanta. And it's a little, yeah. it's much more segregated. Well, Atlanta's a, and I've had to, as I grew up and, and went other places and blah, blah, blah. Atlanta's weird. But in a way that I never really appreciated as a kid, like, growing up and living here, I never really saw it. Like, we actually do have a, a real thriving black middle class, like a middle, upper middle class. Yeah. Um, we actually have that. But yeah, man, like when I went, like when I lived in the southern part of the state, I was amazed at how, man, that racism there was in color. Like it was yeah, in yeah. color and stare. Like, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell the world a story. Um, I went to a restaurant. It was like a fast food place. And there were no signs. I don't want to represent like there were signs. There were no signs, none of that. You could just look in the restaurant and like the white people were on one side and the black people were on the other. And like there was a there was a thing down the middle. Like there was a, a corridor down the middle, and you just noticed, like, oh God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, even like going, going even just like Detroit is (laughs) 
a pretty pretty stark yeah. experience in like again it's not necessarily it's not like like you said it's not like there's these signs or anything there's just like this it's there's subtle subtle displays of disrespect yeah right it's, and sometimes it's only subtle because we're white that's the thing i well, cool. that's yeah, the thing yeah. I had to look. that's the thing i really saw out loud where there was you know four in 4k living color in in the south part of the state <laughs> but and i think you know I think too, it's easy. I mean, again, I think Atlanta is probably a different special place, but like just go read a newspaper from the 19, like the year 1990 on an article about Mm. crack or race. Um, and it's shocking. It's always shocking. Uh, the way, the way they talk about black people, different minorities, women, girls, especially, uh, it's like, it's why it's like, I understand and have a lot of respect for like younger people who get really upset about language. But also just like yeah. it's it's easy to forget how far we've already come just in like the past 20 years. But and a guy like awesome. Gavin McGinnis, though, the, what the problem with yeah. acknowledging we've come far without really doing it, like without really doing anything is a guy like Gavin McGinnis, you know, could have that. Progressive sheen and make a racist joke here and there. And at the time, it wasn't an indication of something awful. Um, in the way it probably should have been to right-thinking people. Well, the other thing... Here's the thing that I wonder out loud, and I'm going to wonder it out loud onto my podcast for the umpteenth time. Um, I wonder if there was a time and a day during Reagan and during Bush the first and all like that, that you could say you were pro what is a progressive really a progressive in the historical sense is somebody who's pro labor you know pro women's suffrage well i mean like historically yeah suffrage integration yeah yeah yeah. but you don't have to really like nobody during reagan or bush ever thought could have imagined obama i mean reagan famously gave a speech yeah. in Georgia where he said, I support states rights, which you yeah. know what that means in Georgia, right? Like, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was Georgia, but I, I know, I know of what you speak. I don't yeah, know that it was in Georgia. But. I believe so. I could be wrong. It was in the South for sure. It was in the South. It was in, I don't, it was, Georgia wasn't a big deal then. Yeah. Like Georgia is a much bigger deal now because Hi, I've studied Atlanta demographics for ages. How you doing? Um, Atlanta has done nothing but grow ever since my entire life. Um, I actually was in a meeting right before the plague when I, where I learned that the Northwest Georgia region of North America is one of the fastest growing, is the fastest growing spot on two continents. That's I don't know crazy. that that's I don't know that that's still true. Yeah. Uh, but in the meeting, they were talking about how there were these uh, there there were these counters like that they used to count cars. Mm-hmm. These machines they used to count cars, and they they were they were counting so many cars they thought the machines were broken. 
So they had to send, they actually had to find people qualified to fix the machines and actually send them to the machine, like in the field. And, and they I'm were guessing like, those, those experts said they're not broken at all. <laughs> they're not only, yeah, not only are they not broken, but they're undercounting the card. No, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> not only are they not broken, but yeah, like, um, I've actually got a friend that knows quite a lot about, he deals day to day with the, 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 the clues that Atlanta is growing by leaps and bounds constantly. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the fascinating conversations I can have is like the little, like the little, the little breadcrumbs he sees every day. Like there's, you know, the databases indicate this many people are doing this and that many people are doing that. And yeah, holy hell, there's so many people, <laughs> you know, but um, I don't know. Yeah. But so now Ronald Reagan would go to Georgia. Like, so now yeah. like our governor, like, so like our governor, I was just on Instagram earlier today. Our governor actually went to Israel, uh, which tells us, that he's going to run for president at some point in the future. Probably. Safe bet. Because <laughs> you can't be a Republican and not go to Israel and no. run for president. That's the thing. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Georgia yeah. is like Atlanta. I'm always fascinated by like that dichotomy where you have, um, you know, your metropolis oh, and then the 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 entire surrounding area is is like a mirror image of that metropolis, you know, or not a mirror image, but like a an exact opposite, yeah. a photo negative. What's so fascinating to me is like so when you live on the edge of it, like when you live on the leading edge of where the growth is happening, like you can actually see week to week people moving like you can tell by the naked eye week to week yeah yeah like more people are coming every week yeah i mean you can look at like in toronto here we can just look at rent prices and get a pretty good idea that more and more people are here (laughs) well like but that could just be people investing in stuff right or is that actually rent prices I mean, it's both, right? It's a bit of everything, yeah. but we're not building things fast enough and the population keeps growing and that's just, you know, maybe yeah. I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but in an econ 101 sort of way. Mm. Mm. Right, right. Well, Eric, um, let me put you on the spot. Where do you think the media, like the alternative media is going? Well, down the the toilet at the moment is is the only real (laughs) honest answer I can give you. I don't know. I I, Substack, maybe like some platform like that. Um, Or or I guess like maybe there's um, Patreons you can be a part of or something. Where that's that's where the goods might be. Uh, I don't. What? Okay, so we're both. I think you're younger than me, but. We're not children anymore. Like we're not yeah. kids anymore. What I'm gonna throw something out at you. What is the 
the 2023 teenager young 20s equivalent of a record store i I have no idea like in real life because that's where i saw that's where i saw vice yeah like first that was my first this is vice yeah it would have been me too i think at a sunrise yeah i think you you know i I don't remember the store but i remember the funny i can remember the floor of the store yeah yeah but i can't remember the store ah but to me if it's going to take off if alternative media new alternative media is going to take off because substack to me is just people like it's just like i mean i like heather cox richardson hey if you listen to the podcast hi how you doing love your (laughs) stuff big fan but I I couldn't see an 18 year old reading your things, you know. No offense, no offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, like a guy like Matt Taibbi, I imagine his audience skews probably not young, but younger than you know the New York Times or something. Uh, j- I, just by nature of covering Twitter and social media and stuff, right? Let me push back on that a, a slight bit. Because I see what you're saying, but I think, okay, 2005 was 18 years ago, right? Yeah. 2002 was 20, back of napkin, 21 years ago, okay? Mm -hmm. So the Iraq war started 21 years ago. So the blowback, the the written word blowback of the Iraq war was around 20, 21 years ago. So I don't, I, I think there's young. I don't think you now. really got, I don't think you got blowback till like 2000 and like three <laughs> or 2005, well, right. I should say. Well, right. Not that it was written down on the, yeah. like, not that it was written down by Matt Taibbi or whatever, right? But I remember, like, I remember, so what I'm saying is, like, there's young people today that don't know what the Iraq war was, or they, they know what it was, but they don't, they weren't viscerally angry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm wondering if people are aging with Matt Taibbi. I'm wondering if, if his audience is aging with him, basically. Yeah, I well, I just I just think people, young people, like all you know, all a young person needs to know about the Iraq War is it was a lie, and that's kind of the beginning and end of it, or it was a yeah. lie, but you know, it's still okay for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like, and the reason I I bring that up is I I got into a really interesting conversation on Twitter. Um, in a thread put out by the alternate history, the guy who runs the alternate history, I think his name is Cody. Mm-hmm. And Cody was talking about how, holy crap, I'm actually educating people about history. Like, that's not what I started out to do. Mm. Right? I'm, so it's like he's realizing he's educating people about things that he shouldn't be doing. Because you should know about that. (laughs) Ideally, yeah. Well, like, you should know about... Okay. He put out a video about the Iraq War. And he's like, people should know about this. You should... This should be... 
know? Yeah, for sure. But like, it's just the it's. I mean, that's the the effect of history, like or the effect of time on history. I should say is that like, yeah. Yeah. you know, certain wars in America's past are huge cultural touchstones for a lot of reason. I'm sure you know you could talk about the Vietnam War forever, but how much could you talk about Korea? in like for most Americans, you know what I mean? And those are two wars kind of back to back with one another. Both of them were kind of yeah. similar in uh theaters yeah. and similar in in like rules of engagement and everything like that. But one was a bit more of a debacle, but still I don't know that either one was just or whatever in the same way that like because frankly, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> in the same way More that a kid like, now isn't going to care about Iraq, and like yeah. because it's it's the deep misty past to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or like World War One, if you really dig into the history, World War One was actually way more disruptive and way more interesting in, in a lot of ways. Than World War yeah, World War One is it's it's. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like World War One, yeah, could you. You can almost flip the ink on World War One and World War Two in terms of how what what would be historically justified. Yeah, but which is weird because we're living in the, the aftermath of World War II almost. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you can't have World War Two without World War One. <laughs> yeah, and World War Two is just so much sexier for your average oh. reader. There's the great evil yeah. of Nazis, and then. The other great evil of communists and <laughs> right. So you think alternate media is going into the toilet, and you don't think it's not coming back? Well, I mean, not in the way it was. I think it's gonna every like everything now has to be a bit more personality driven. It seems. I mean, maybe some group will come out with a, a zine website, or will 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 re, like regress that way. Page. Maybe, right? But like yeah, but that's the right. thing though, is I think like there's people on TikTok now who are probably fairly uh you know, doing the work of alternate media that alternate media that Vice would have done, but they're not doing it under a brand name, they're doing it under their name. Yeah. And like if that's better or worse, I don't know. Um certainly different. It is what it is. Yeah. Um so you want to shout anything out or was this? Yeah. Um, so I, I uh, got a new podcast series. It came out last month. Um, it's oh. it's called American Jihad, uh, Tecumseh, Tenskatawa, and the War of 1812. Hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be like the Maccabees series. It's going to be a several part series on uh, Tecumseh, the Native American Shawnee. Uh, war chief and his brother who most people don't know anything about his brother Tenskatawa, but he was uh at one point much more famous than his very famous uh older brother because he had started this religious movement that was all about wow. uh it was it was kind of half revivalist to get back to native ways and then half this whole new way forward mm. um so yeah i'm working on telling that story but of course as you mentioned a thousand years ago my last one came out so i'm hoping to get this one out in a couple centuries sort of thing well i really enjoy your your podcast on the maccabees i thought that was really really cool um, thank you 
And I also really like your critique of ancient aliens, your podcast you did that was a critique of ancient aliens. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's a show that I should should, show that I should do for uh, Frederick and digging up ancient aliens. That show, it's a great show. Frederick's having, uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. I should, I should send him an email, but he's having a very, from what I can tell, it seems like he's doing very well. And that's a fantastic show. He's got some really incredible guests as time has gone on. Very, very smart people. What's, what's, so what's the name of his show? Digging up ancient Stop. aliens. Digging. I'm gonna listen to that. Yeah, I recommend it. Cause, yeah. Because I mean, like, look, there's all kinds of stuff that historians, that, that mainline historians can't put their finger on or can't figure out. But some of that stuff is like, there's no way. Do you really think that happened? Jesus God. <laughs> you know? I I like. I was talking to a guy recently who we were talking about, uh, without naming ancient aliens, he was talking about the the general thesis of that show, the Anunnaki and needed a slave yeah. race because their atmosphere needs gold or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, like, the guy who was a smart guy, like, normal guy talking to him, uh, but he said that uh, as far as he knows, yeah. it's the oldest story. Um, what is that that story because it the idea is it's from Sumerians a guy named Zachariah Sitchins supposedly uh um oh okay like he says it's the oldest story right and that's I mean, just, Zachariah Sitchins can't read uh cuneiform he pretends he can <laughs> so once well, that whole house cards falls down when you know yeah. that detail I mean there's there are some really interesting things in history that are weird that are super weird and hint to something that's that's super weird. But like, here's okay. Let me bottom line it for the folks on the internet. When the Roman Empire fell, a whole lot of knowledge went away, and some of that knowledge never came back. You know? Yeah. Like the only the only stuff we have from the Romans are the stuff that. The Muslim scholars and the and the Catholic scholars kept mostly, right? Yeah. Just saying. It's there's right. a book there's a book I'm googling right now. Oh God, it's by Cynthia Nixon. I just can't find her. What the book is? Catherine Nixon? No, that's an actress. Never mind. <laughs> Cynthia Nixon's an actress. Yeah, there's a. Uh, I thought her last name was Nixon, Catherine Nixon. There's a book I was just reading about the, uh, the, um, like Christians, Mm. Christians, uh, destroying Roman, Roman, like Roman knowledge and why and how they went about it. um, Like, um, oh God, what's his name? Alaric, um, Alaric the Barbarian. Alaric, um, yeah, Al- Alaric the Alaric. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we call him a barbarian. I don't. I think he just called himself Alaric. So. Yeah, I mean, fascinating. Yeah, I feel horrible for for blowing that recommendation like that. I'll have to, I'll have to fire an email now. But uh, yeah, if well, everybody, I mean, if anybody listening uh, wants to check out the the series on Tecumseh, I think it's pretty cool. I think they'll, they'll get a kick out of it. Yeah. It's a very interesting story. That's kind of, uh, 
like Tecumseh is a famous guy in American history, but I don't think he's very well understood among, you know, the general population. So it's uh, something I'm looking forward to telling. Yeah. Also, like your Religious Wars podcast about the Maccabees was very interesting. Like I I genuinely thought it was amazing. Thank you very much. You did a good deal of research and. I'm glad I was on Reddit that second and a half where you said, hey, I want to come on somebody's show. I was like, yes. Yeah. Well, I was going to reach out to you, but I saw you hadn't put anything out in a while, and I wasn't sure if the History of Voyager oh, okay. was still I'm, going. I'm on, a new, I'm on a new feed. Oh. On a new Maybe feed. that's my problem. Okay. You need to Google the History of Voyager. Um, but I'm on a new film on RSS.com. I was on Podbean. Okay. Um, yeah. There was some um, there were some things about Podbean I didn't like. Let's just say it. Let's just say it. Like sure, that. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Hopefully, maybe we won't wait more than a year before we uh, before we do this again. Was it a year? Oh God, it was a long time ago. A bit more than uh, a year. I just noticed because I opened Skype and saw the last conversation. <laughs> yeah. All right, Eric. Um, hang on the line now. Uh, but thank you. Bye-bye.